Welcome to Baseball's Inside Journey, the podcast that helps players and parents grow their baseball knowledge. This is the show that specializes in youth baseball. And now, here's Coach Drew and Eric Powers. Welcome back to Baseball's Inside Journey. What's up? I'm Eric Powers, the people along with Coach Drew. What's hey, up? Great to be back, Eric. Man, we are back at it. This is kind of the off-season show where, uh, you know, it's good to just kind of keep everybody tuned up on what's going on in the baseball world. Man, if you're really into baseball, it, there is no off-season. No. <laughs> good <laughs> right? point. Good point. Not for me. Not for any of us that are true baseball fans. And our next guest, he would say the same. We can't uh, say how excited we are to get the one, the only Derek Jennings, owner and director of operations at New Level Baseball, is our guest on today. Welcome, Derek. Great to be on. Excited to be here. Uh, Been a pleasure. Man, Derek, you know, this is uh, Coach Drew. I'm... As you know, we've you and I uh, have, have been talking about having this interview for some time now, so I really appreciate you coming on. And you know, the reason we felt like it would be important to have you on is because Baseball's Inside Journeys podcast. This this podcast was really developed, for, you know, by us to make sure we're giving kind of the information and resources to youth baseball players and their families. Anything that's kind of really relevant to that journey for them. And you know, your program, New Level, is is. You know, here in the Northwest is one of the top program, and I thought you'd be great to have on and kind of talk about what makes your program special. Yeah, no, I think uh, you know the, all the people involved in in New Level since the beginning. Uh, we're about seven. This is going into our seventh year now. Um, you know, everybody involved: uh, Mark Weiss, Darren Larson, uh, Brian Jacobus, uh, Dean Pierce. Initially, getting things started really, really. Um, you know, launch things for us to be able to, to do this on the scale we do. Um, as you know, as you've been going through uh, baseball in this area, facility-wise and everything is really, really blowing up. And it's kind of the, it's really kind of the, the, the beginning of the mecca of, uh, you know, facility baseball structure yeah. kind of across the country as EO1 expands and everything. Um, so with us being able to do this and be successful, um, you know, on our own, it's been, it's been kind of cool. Um, we've been around for seven years now. We have, uh, top, top ranked national teams at each age group. Uh, we have top ranked players in the country at each age group. Uh, right now I think we have five different players who are, uh, top 20 kids in the country for their age groups. I have a 2027 class, the middle, the, the middle infield, top shortstop, top second baseman in the country, hmm. uh, ranked right now. We're both new level guys. Um, pretty exciting stuff going on, and uh, just seeing a lot of these guys being able to chase their dream and and, and keep it going after after our building. Yeah, that's our impressive. You have I, I obviously you know I coach with the Merchants program, and and uh, we play some of your new level teams, and yeah, I mean the the talent you guys have and in uh, the way they kind of go about their business, it's really uh, it's impressive. And I, to have that caliber of players in, in your program says a lot about obviously the way you guys are doing things there. Because you know a, a nationally ranked player is not going to play on a team or for an organization that's not doing it right. Well, you know the majority of these players, um, we had 34 seniors this year signed to go play college baseball. And I think 85% of them we've had since before they were, tw- you know, 12 or, or under. Hmm. Awesome. Um, they came over the program or we've had them since, you know, guys like Mason Pike I've had since six years old. Mm-hmm. So, wow. um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to be a part of and see these kids kind of, you know, finally getting to chase, chase everything that they've been putting their work in for and, you know, and it working out for, you know, majority of kids who have stayed, stayed through it and, and, and continued to chase it. How many teams do you guys have? We have 43 teams. That's a big facility though. You guys have down there in you're, you're in Puyallup, Washington, right? Yeah. So we're in Puyallup, Washington, right at the South Hill mall. Uh, we, we uh, have a 35,000 square foot building um, right there connected to the South Hill Mall next to Round One. Pretty cool place. Not many people even know it's there. So we've been we've been a well kept secret uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> for the majority of uh, these last seven years. You know, I think one thing that's impressive to me is as I've kind of followed your program a little bit and coached against some of your teams. Obviously, as I've I've asked some of your coaches and parents uh, a little bit about uh, the the families and the kids that are playing. Uh, in the program, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I've heard is that you have players coming from out of state, right? You got and coming from all over the state to to practice and train at your facility in Puyallup on the weekends, and and of course in, in your uh, travel tournaments and things like that. Is is that accurate? Do you have people coming from all over the place? Yeah, so we got about 26 players from Oregon who travel up to play with us. Um, we have, I mean, you know, eight UK who. He's played. Uh, he's played the last three years now, um, and, and he's one of the best AU kids in the country. But uh, he drives from. Uh, <laughs> sounds funny to say, but you know he is. He works hard. But he drives down from uh, Bellingham, mm-hmm. um, Bellingham area. So we got uh, you know a couple different things we do where we do some satellite stuff and have some 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 well tr- trusted instructors or trainers like Eric Rubin out of Anacortes. Um, you know, we use guys like Gabe Boroff over in the Tri Cities, and um, you know, partnering up with some some good guys who can take care of and kind of uh, put those 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 players under their wings, offer them some of the instruction that you know maybe some of those guys can give them, but offer them a team structure that um, you know they can't. Um, so that's what makes it kind of beneficial for those guys to play with us. And while it sounds like it's crazy for a kid to drive, you know, from uh, Bellingham down to down to his Friday Friday night practice, um, you know, he he sees the value in it and gets gets the work in. So so what what are your recommendations as players are kind of building their digital portfolio on social media? What do you tell players and, and parents they need to do to get their social media profile correct? So, so high schools will, will look at this, coaches will look at this, and, and uh, you know they create kind of the right images and sizzle reels. See, th- this is where it's a tough world, right? Because there's a fine line, and there's not a right answer, but there's, there's a fine line of putting, putting kids in positions where they're not ready to showcase what they're actually capable of and maybe setting limitations before before they're you know physically and mentally prepared to go put themselves on the big stage mm-hmm. um there's a lot of kids who you know we have in our building who uh you know we got a freshman you know max hemingway signed with tennessee ninth ranked player in the country class of 2027 um you know, but there's two or three other shortstops at that 15U age group who are going to, you know, get to where he's at and be where he's at and still be at that D1 level. But Max is right now there. But there's other kids who will get to that level. Now, does Max continue to develop and get better? 
I believe he does, and he's a great player, and I think he's going to continue to make those strides. But those are the things that become tough for a lot of these kids, Mm -hmm. where they see these other things, they see these things that these kids are capable of, and they feel like they have to match that now. And so those realistic goals a lot of times get set for these young kids so high that they're unobtainable, um, you know, so it makes it impossible for them to ever continue to grow because that sense of satisfaction or development doesn't take place. Um, so it's hard when you're not physically competing with or against or seeing what you are trying to become, if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. Um, so, so it's tough because a lot of times these kids will build these social profiles and, hey, I want this coach to look at it, but the coach is never going to look at it because whoever sends it to him doesn't have a name he recognizes. Mm. And when the guy's getting 3,000 emails and, he, and, a, and a name doesn't pop, it's, it's, hard, it's hard for a lot of these kids to end up where they, where they think they want to go before they do the research and realize what they want to study, what they want the weather to be like, what they want their home life to be like, what their financial structure looks like, what all these other things look like. They're trying to make themselves marketable to schools. They have no clue if they want to be marketable to. Keep, keep working. Enjoy being 14. Enjoy being 15. And at the end of the day, the journey a lot of times should be more magnified than the end goal, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This has become such a business now to, to continually keep that vision for these kids. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because you got to sell them the best thing. And, and if somebody's going to tell them, hey, I'm going to get you D1 signed, well, the kid's going to go jump at that, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put you on social media and I'm going to get every video I can. But if the coach doesn't trust that guy, that guy has no bearing upon whether that kid goes to the college or not. Mm-hmm. That kid's going to get himself wherever he can get himself. Right. Now, there's good people throughout this journey that advocate for kids in the right spots. And there's really good coaches at these schools who – do the homework and get themselves embedded in the right places but it it's hard and with the the transfer portal right now backing up and all these other things and all these available ready 21 year old athletes who have done it before things are getting tougher for kids right now yeah the landscape's really changing right now isn't it it's it's changing quite a bit from everything we can tell parents like even like myself even though i'm a coach i'm 52 years old right and so back when i played uh juco ball the whole landscape of how things were done is totally different than what it is now. And like you said, with the transfer portal, now now you've got D1 programs taking kids from the transfer portal, maybe in lieu of somebody that's coming out of high school. And so it, it definitely changes the dynamic about uh, what these kids have to consider when when putting in for schools or, or what have you. And, you know, I want to get to something you just said uh, when answering Eric's question is, is you're talking a little bit about national rankings and stuff like that with some of your players. I think it would be really helpful to kind of uh, – our listeners would probably really love to hear about what does that mean? What does that mean as a, a player to be nationally ranked? How does one become ranked as a player? And and maybe even with regard to your program and some of your teams, I know that you have – your program is also nationally ranked, and that opens up doors for your players and teams to get into tournaments and things like that. So. So for us, uh, putting the players on kind of that big stage um, and getting invited to some of these tournaments where, you know, at a younger age, it's just, you know, it's, it's a big puberty race, right? You know, the more, the more 
power and more weight you got behind it, the further you hit the ball, it makes it a little easier for these kids. The bigger you are, the harder you throw. And so the reality is, is that these younger ages, the 10s, 11s, 12s, um, these tournaments that you're starting to see with the select fest PG tournaments, where you have the top 25, 30 kids in the country playing against each other. You have, uh, you know, the USA futures events that our 10 and our 11 year olds go to, um, that help provide that USA national team that goes in place for that gold medal. I think you saw some videos of, uh, Leland Henry drew, he was hitting some, uh, some bombs for yep. the Team USA, big Frank Thomas-looking kid, <laughs> yep. huge 12-year-old. Huge and so my boy, he's 11U. Drew plays with the 11U, just turned 12. He'll be 12U this year. But those playing against those kids and, and, and matching up against those kids and, and going and seeing 75 to 77-mile-an-hour fastballs from 50 feet at 11 is what puts those kids in those – upper tiers of conversations moving into 13 14 as kids start to become seen and that puberty battle kind of evens out you know two years ago you could sign that 14 year old so it's like max hemingway committed to tennessee we also have Braden landry who's a top ranked uh you know he's 17th in the country Mm -hmm. um just behind max he was a top ranked second base shortstop middle infield Max was the Max and him split shortstop second base. And so uh, he didn't commit before they changed the rule. So now he's uncommitted. Now that's going to be the trend you see for most of those kids. Now until August one of their junior year, they'll be uncommitted. So now these, these national things change completely even again. Right. Mm -hmm. And so being, being on that stage though, and putting those kids in those, those, those places then opens them up to these other programs across the country who have direct ties to, you know, Tennessee and these other programs, because that's where they're from and they are funded well off flying kids from place to place to tournament, to tournament, going to Florida and covering some of their expenditures and their parents' flights and these things so that they can compete against, the top kids in the country. I see. So, so when you actually get when your when your son or daughter gets into that kind of realm where they're starting to do these different uh, tournaments and travel opportunities, then they then they start becoming ranked or they start becoming seen more where they could then get a ranking. They they start to perform well on the top stage against the top kids, and there's always baselines as far as data, so you know, seventy fives, you know the fastest Mm -hmm. that these kids are, you know, throwing in the country. Maybe there's one or two outliers who you don't find out about and don't make it on that scene. But for the most part, all those kids end up getting to a point where they get invited to an event. And once they get invited to an event and some of the upper teams see them, then they start getting asked to go play in more events. As they go play in more events, you kind of weed out that, you know, old upside down pyramid yep. and the talent gets thinner and thinner or, you know, the, the number of kids get thinner and thinner as the talent continues to get better. And you kind of fi- filter out to, you know, your top, your top 100, 150 kids that, you know, aren't going to really change just because their God given ability is, 
you know, and their and their parents are who they are, and they just have that gene battle that a lot of people can't catch up to. Yeah. Right. Yep. So there's been some kids, who, you know, their kids who work their way in, and then there there'll be another bunch of kids who come out of nowhere and develop into high school kids because they keep working. But it's it's when people give up and and, and quit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The harder you work, you keep working, you keep working. Kids break into that. You know what I mean? It's just what time are you going to break into it? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We're talking to Derek, uh, of course. Uh, we said earlier the owner and director of operations at New Level Baseball. Um, question for you: What should families expect from uh, your travel ball or the travel ball programs? I should say. In addition to that, Derek, I think one of the things that um, is a question a lot of people that when they reach out to us to kind of ask questions, one of the things that a lot of a lot of people ask is. What should our expectations be of our travel ball program uh, with regard to maybe you know facility availability or or advocacy at the higher levels with college coaches or pro scouts things like that? So I mean I know there's so, a lot to cover there, but but any can, anything you can give us would be great. What we've been so successful at is is the baseball side is always first. We're bad at marketing. We're bad at collecting money. We're bad at doing all the all the stuff that you know, keeps your doors open and your lights on. We're really bad at that. We're really good at coaching baseball, but that's why we started this is because there was a point where all of us realized the majority of time and energy we spent wasn't being compensated for. So we had to go get our own space to do it. And I think we live in a world where a majority of the facility definitions of what expectations are, are defined and we break all of those molds. So that's tough for me because there is a business structure that can't survive for everybody if you operate the way we do. Mm. And that's real. Mm. But the, the, the downside is, is the baseball can't always survive if you don't operate those ways. Because kids need to be playing baseball 366 days a year and yeah <laughs> you know and 367 on leap years right <laughs> and so um, you know it's like we're closed for 12 days during christmas right i'm like no more than two minutes after saying we're closed i have you know probably 26 27 coaches already like can i keep my practice slot I'm like, yeah, I'll email you a key. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, it, 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 it's tough, right? Because you, to, to, to do what you need to do, it takes a lot of time and energy. There's a lot of days. I'm, I mean, I'm up here at 9 a.m. and I'm, you know, leaving at 930, right? And it's, uh, it's a lot of time spent to, you know, right now we have, you know, a bunch of seniors who – have online classes or they have their class load so that they're out by 11, you know, and they can come up here and work out, get all their work in, get ready, get their stuff done and, you know, get out. We got a ton of kids who do those homeschool stuff. We have uh, constant stuff going on available to our players. So I put other people in a bad spot. If I tell you what we do, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, good answer, but, but you have a, but you do have, uh, I think in a, previous call you and I have had, I think you indicated to me that you you guys do have paid coaches there in addition to maybe some dad so, coaches so as our well. Off season, yeah, so our off-season, um, so here's the reality, is at a young age, are you going to ever find anybody more committed, more emotionally invested, 
are ready to jump at a dime and give up 20 weekends of their life and ruin their relationships and be on the verge <laughs> of divorce and, oh. and all the things that come with it, right? And spend all the money you do to coach a team other than some dad who loves his kid, right? right. Yeah. So, so yeah, like at a young age, finding people who are parrots for me, where it's a coach who's a, a good athlete, knows his baseball, been there before, but also understands how to uh, – somebody who can just repeat – what they've been taught in the off season is, is very important. And so if you can have that structure and then in the off season, have an implemented structure where you have the right people involved. So it's like, I mean, we spent $200,000 a year in our instruction staff. Okay. We pay a bunch of triple a and double a guys and pro guys to come up here and we pay them well so that they can live a life and chase their dream. But it costs a lot, right? And I don't think a lot of other places do that. Um, we give our guys a manageable living structure so that they can do lessons and not lose majority of their money in cage fees, right? Mm -hmm. But like I said, it, we're bad at business. <laughs> <laughs> and and are, you, are you as passionate? Because it feels this way, but I didn't know you from before. Is it, do you still have that fire burning uh, when you first started? Or how has it changed and evolved? Oh, I think it's... Uh, I mean, I think it's a hundred times more now because, uh, I, I've done this for, I did it for like 14 years. And then the last two years now I've been doing it for my, my son, mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? God, and so yep, I've been yep. emotionally tied to him at 10 U. So I got involved with it. So it's like, I've trained all the little league South Hill, little league, all-star kids for the last, mm -hmm. you know, 15 years, but I never got involved with South Hill little league and actually worked together as a, select program with the little league so two years ago got my son involved wanted to figure out why little league is what it is how it works what's going on um i'm on the board now involved you know there you go he's playing his 12u season we have you know probably 70 new level kids if not more um in south hill uh little league so it's something for me that's uh i mean <laughs> it, it's evolved into a lot more and uh and I mean, I'm even daddy ball. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I find myself in moments like, you know, and, and I, you know, some of the other guys make fun of me. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, if you talk, you know, or, or, or you know, it was as easy as you are on your son to everybody else. You know, I'm like, oh, no, don't tell me that. You know? Yeah, but you know what, Derek? I mean, when, uh, you know, you and I play in the, the Puget Sound Baseball League out here, and I remember the day I met you uh, prior to the game, uh, your son was out there fielding ground balls from you. And uh, he can play, so I know you were talking about daddy ball a little bit, but you know you got to qualify that if your kid can play and he is the should be the starting shortstop. That's you know I mean that's typically uh, that's typically okay as far as I'm concerned. I think most people agree. No matter what, no matter what though, it doesn't matter. That's one thing I've learned. Yeah, mm -hmm. no yeah. matter who you are, yeah. if I can't do it, this is why everybody pays me money is because if I can't do it, you can't either. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Well, you know, I have to also say one thing I'm really happy to hear you say is that uh, that you're doing Little League or your son's doing Little League and you're on the board because um, I was – I've my son, both my boys and my, my currently nine-year-old daughter is still doing Little League. But, um, you know, I, I coached in Little League for, well, now 12 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's I think it's really important. A lot of people do. But I obviously with travel ball – 
being kind of growing so so quickly out here, at least in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Little League is is affected by some some. I, I think there is a misconception by some families of of uh, players that are maybe better players or more advanced at an early age that uh, Little League is a waste of time. And I, I guess I can understand that depending on the Little League and who is going to be coaching. But uh, I, anyway, I guess I, I think Little League is an important part I, I of baseball. I don't, think it's who's, I don't think it's who's coaching. I think it matters on what, what little, that Little League stance is about that select baseball program. If, they, if their stance is, is we're going to play on weekends and compete with you and compete with your players and these other things, then I think there's no there's no middle ground. But I think that we've been able to come to a good working relationship where, like, with South Hill Little League, all the games are during the week. They mm. don't play on the weekends. So we play during the week. When we go in there last year, I, I told everybody, hey, my pitchers, my select guys, they don't need to throw until the playoffs. Everybody makes the playoffs. They don't need to go strike out five or six kids who are never going to hit a ball anyway. Mm-hmm. They need to go play with their community players. Go play different positions. If you're the shortstop, my son played center field. You know, when All-Stars came around, he still played center field, which I think shot him in the foot, right? But he, <laughs> he was really good in center field, right? He got to do that during during All-Star, or during All-Star the regular season and during, you know, their little league. And so I think that there's a lot of benefits. I think the problem you run into in the state of Washington is you don't teach leadoff steel until 11 U two years ago. Right. I, I, I've made a big stink about it and, t- and kind of tried to push that. So now it's 10 U major, 10 U open, 10 U major will be leadoff steel this year. Oh, good. Oh, wow. And so, and so I've, I've, we've got it down to 10 U, but everywhere else in the country is playing eight U. Mm. Right. And so <laughs> we're still so, behind. So what happened? Well, yeah, and so what happens, though, is these kids, they don't learn the, the fluid flow of the game yeah. until a certain age. And so then these kids at 11, when they've never had leadoff steal, and then you tell them to go play Little League, and then they're just learning leadoff steal, it ruins their development because it's like shooting a free throw every possession of a basketball game. So if you just if you just shot a free throw, got a rebound, boom, okay, timeout, boom, we go shoot free throw now, right? Because that's what like that's what it's like, playing mm. no leadoff steal. Yeah, it's always a free throw. Everything's a free throw. There's always an end. Stop. Okay, reset. Right, and there's no pressure put on. There's no focal point that has to maintain, um, you know, just your attention span. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so and so these kids learn that, and then little league becomes devalued because now you're teaching them that they're going to go back and do what they did at 10 at 11. Right. Makes Whereas sense. these kids went lead off steel and they, they competed, 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 and then they can come back to a less competitive environment to where they're helping build up their community, being around the kids that they're going to spend the rest of their time with at high school, junior high, and doing all these things with and all these other events and have to grow up around. Maybe they input, maybe they help these kids to where these kids don't quit at 12 because they're no good mm-hmm. maybe they learn a little bit have a little bit of success and then at 14 hit the puberty bug and now that kid's 92 because he didn't quit mm-hmm. right yeah and so that that for me is where i'm trying to get more involved with the little league and have our kids be a little more into it because the reality is too is we have a kid we have a team right now who's ranked 47th in the country and i still have kids on the team who have the self-esteem the same as that kid on the little league team it mm-hmm. doesn't change 
Yeah. If you're the 11th kid on a roster, you're still the 11th kid on a roster. It doesn't matter if it's the best roster in the country. You still feel like the 11th kid on a roster. Right. Yeah. Well, Derek, thank you so much, man, for joining us. And what's the best way? People are probably hearing this going, how do we connect with new level baseball? Because they may have questions or, or, or want to get their kid involved or just want to get to know your organization more. What's the best way? Is it social? Is it online? Your website? What's the best way to get in contact with you guys? Yeah, the, uh, the uh, email is probably the best way to get, in, get into uh, touch with us. We're uh, not very good at the social media stuff we're stepping our game up though we're uh really evolving our stuff some new websites and everything uh so that'll be that'll be good um i would say uh email though would be would be best way to get in touch uh mine's derek d-e-r-e-k at newlevel360.com so that would be the best way to get in touch with us with uh trying to move forward we are uh branching out we're going to be in kirkland next year we're gonna have 10 teams in kirkland next year very cool based out of there so um just exciting things going on for what we're doing and uh yeah <clears throat> your uh, your website is uh newlevelbaseball.com and uh, newlevelbaseball.com yeah. yes sir well derek uh from both of us just want to thank, thank you for you. coming on with us thank uh, you man. and we'll like to have you on again sometime uh you know, there's always so much different stuff to talk about, but we try to. What we're trying to do here with the podcast is make sure that the information we're giving our listeners is relevant to that particular time of year. Uh, and so now, of course, we're in the off season, so we can just kind of talk shop a little bit. But once we get into the season, we'll probably have some other things we want to talk about. So if you're if you're open to it, we'd love to have you back on. Yeah, no, hundred percent. This has been a production of Baseball's Inside Journey LLC. This podcast is not constitute advice or services. It is primarily designed for education purposes only. We encourage your feedback and topic ideas at facebook.com slash podcast.facebook.